Hey, good morning. Welcome to Arthur Pentecostal Assembly, our online experience. My name is Pastor Roy, and uh, we're so glad today that you've joined with us as we worship along and we dig into God's Word. Well, we're in the middle of this series. Actually, we're concluding this series today called All In, where we've talked about the plans that God has for you and that He wants you to go all in in your, in your pursuit of Him and all in in what it means to worship Him and be uh, Jesus' hands and feet here on earth. How long... Have you been going to church? Uh, obviously, you're at home right now, so uh, you're thinking, I haven't been at church in a while. But this is your church right now. How long have you been a, an attender of church? I was thinking back not that long ago on how long I've been going to church, and it's almost 30 years that church has been a major part of my life where I've consistently been going to church. Being connected to a group of people as your social circle, people that will pray for you, lift you up, encourage you, celebrate you when, when things are going well, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal to be, to be connected to something like that. For some of you, you don't know anything else but church. You were born into the church. You don't even remember a Sunday where you weren't in church. I remember as a teenager... The, the, one of the first, probably the first time I attended church on my own, someone invited me. And I remember thinking, I don't have a tie, so I can't come to church. I need to, I need to clean myself up a little bit to be able to go to church. Cause we all know that God doesn't listen to prayers of those that are not dressed up, right? Aren't you glad that we've kind of got past that way of thinking? It's, it's a little bit juvenile. But the first Sunday that I showed up in church, I've got my dress shirt on, I've got my tie on, and, and our pastor, his name was Pastor Bob, walks out into the foyer, and I don't even know if, I don't even know if he knew who I was, but he comes up to me and he says, hey, you're looking pretty good. You know what? You might just end up being a pastor someday. And I'm not saying that this is prophecy or anything, probably just a polite comment, but I'm thinking, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'm going to willfully put myself in a position where I get up in front of people week after week and speak while all eyes are on me as a shy kid. That was, that sounded like a nightmare. Never. And I meant never was that going to happen. Well, you know what they say? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Well, here we are 30 years later. And honestly, I love church. The the sanctuary actually is a sanctuary. It's a place that you could just come and put aside all the junk that's happened in the week, all the, all the stuff that's got you down, and, and just kind of push it to the side. It's a chance to just put my focus on something other than myself, worship God, and just rejuvenate for the upcoming week. There's another place that I consider a, a place where I rejuvenate. And that's the basketball court. Now, if you know me at all, you know that I love basketball. I've loved basketball for so many years. And I love just grab a basketball, get on a court, and just shoot for, for hours. I can do that by myself. Sometimes it actually becomes the place where I pray. I have conversations with God while I'm, while I'm shooting. And so when I interviewed for my first pastoral job back in 2008... When I was in the middle of the interview, the senior pastor, which would eventually be my boss, after the interview, he said, hey, why don't we go for a, a tour around the church? Why don't, why don't I show you around? So he takes me, shows me the offices, and he takes me, he shows me the, the sanctuary, and he shows me the, where the youth would meet, and shows me where the fellowship hall is. And then he walks me into the gymnasium. Now, most churches have 
that have a gymnasium, that are lucky enough to have one, it's usually a pretty small gymnasium. This was a legitimate high school-sized gymnasium. And I remember I walked in, I think my, I had to pick up my jaw. It was just, I'm looking at it and thinking, I could work here and I could, I could shoot on my lunch hours like every day, anytime I wanted. And I remember my wife looking at my, uh, my boss and saying, great, now he's just going to work here for free. You see, for me, the game of basketball has always been more than just a game. It's a place where I discovered some of the things about myself. It's the things where I learned some incredible life lessons. I fell in love with the game of basketball around uh, grade six. I loved basketball. I loved playing at recess, but I wasn't actually very good. But I decided I was going to try out for our, our school team in grade six, and, and I got cut. A bunch of the guys made it. I, I didn't make it. I just wasn't that good. But I loved it. And so in grade seven, I'm, I, I was undeterred. I'm going to try it again. And I tried it again. And I still wasn't very good. And, and I got cut. And then the same thing happened in grade eight. I, I, I tried out for the team. I still loved basketball three years in a row. And I got cut. But I still loved it. But I hadn't worked on my skill level at all. I hadn't, hadn't put any time into it. Just playing outside casually with friends at recess wasn't enough to make me better. But for whatever reason, I tried out again in high school, which actually doesn't make a lot of logical sense. Because if you can't make your small feeder school team, when you go to high school, all the elementary schools that are surrounded, surrounding that high school the best players from each team try out for the team to make a, a much better team. And so the chances of me making that team didn't, were very, very slim, but a bunch of my friends were really, really good. And so I decided I was going to just go to the tryouts with them. And so on the day the list came out, now if you've ever auditioned for anything, if you've ever tried out for anything, you know what the list is all about. You know, the teacher post the list of who made it, whether it be a drama, whether it be a choir, or whether it be a sports team. And they, they, here's the people that made the team. And, you know, you walk up to that list and you're just like, you're so nervous and you're scanning it quickly to see if your name is there. And I remember when the day the list came out, I, I didn't even really even go look because I just assumed there's no way that I made this team. I knew how my tryout went. It, it didn't go that well. But one of my friends went, who was good, went and checked the list, and he made it. But then he came back and told me that I actually made it as well. And I don't know how. I still don't know how to this day, but our coach, Mr. Lindsay, he saw something in me. He would later tell me that it was not my skill level that, that made him choose me. It was my, my hustle and my attitude. And so my high school basketball career started right there. I was the end of the bench guy, the, the guy that when the game was out of reach, and we were a terrible team, so the game was almost always out of reach. When we got down 25 points in the fourth quarter, that was my time to shine. And, and I got a chance to play a little bit. And I think I scored three baskets for the entire season, but a fire was lit during that season. That summer, I got to work. I grabbed a ball and I went to the local court and I went and I, I, I worked on my shooting. I worked on my ball handling. I worked on my footwork all summer, just me in a basketball court. And I worked so hard. I was determined that I was going to get better. Between the last day of grade eight and the first day of grade nine, I grew six inches. So it actually helped that in between grade nine and 10, 
my coordination was now catching up to my growth spurt. But that next season, I came back to school, and, and instead of just making the team, I actually started on the team. Not only did I start, but I was the leading scorer, and eventually it was voted the most valuable, valuable player on that team. You see, the hard work had paid off. More than anything, I learned this. I learned that when you go all in on something, things happen that you would never imagine. I would never have imagined back in grade 8, after being cut for the third time, that by grade 10 I would be the best player on the team. Well, this morning we finish out our series, All In, where we've talked about that a church that is committed to not just go through the motions, not just do the bare minimum, not just put on a show on Sundays for others, but a church that is fully committed to do the will of God in their community will see things happen in their personal lives, in their church, and in their community that they never dreamed would be possible. See, my favorite basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan used to have this reputation of being incredibly intense during practices. He was also known to be incredibly uh, hard on his teammates that didn't share that same intensity during practice. He had this strong belief that you just couldn't go through the motions during practice and expect to come up big when it mattered. And so other players had a different view. Other players thought, I'm not going to go full out in practice because I'm going to save my energy. I'm going to save myself for when it actually does matter in the games. But Jordan would often say, I practice, I treat practices like games so that the games seem easy. What if we were to take on that same attitude when it came to our faith? That we were going to go all in when it comes to our prayer life. That we're going to go all in when it comes to our devotional life. We're going to go all in when it comes to our generosity, when it comes to our faith. So that when it matters, when life gets shaky, when our faith, faith gets a little bit rocked, it will hold strong because we haven't gone through the, we haven't gone through the motions in the quiet times. We could say it like this. Give everything to God. Hold nothing back. This morning we're going to look at a story from the book, book of Acts. And in the story, Jesus has died and he's resurrected and then he's, he's appeared to the disciples and then he's left them again. He's gone off to heaven. And he's left them on the earth to establish his church in the world and start a movement that would change the world. And we're going to look at Acts 4.32. That's where we're going to start. Now the church at this point is just starting to hit its stride. The church is growing, people are coming, they're sharing what they have with each other, they're providing for each other in so many different ways, and it's this healthy, healthy community. It's what, it's what Jesus had, 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 had thought, thought beforehand. It, the church was just in a very good place. And so in Acts 4.32 it says this, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There, was, there were no needy people among them. Let's just pause there for a moment. Like I said, the church was in a good place. No one was in need because they shared with each other and they looked out for each other. And like I said, this is what Jesus had in mind when he thought of the church. So what could go wrong? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 34, there were no needy, needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. 
So those that had more than others, those that had things that were expendable, they took the excess of what they had and sold it to provide for the needs of others. So they would take the money from the sales and they would give it to the apostles who would make sure that everyone was taken care of. This was a healthy model of the church. And what's important to note is this. No one was forced to do what they were doing. No one was forced to take their land and sell it. No one was forced to take their home and sell it. Everybody was doing what they were doing because they were led out of compassion. And no one was forcing them to sell. And people just did it because they believed so much in the mission. Verse 36. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Again, not forced, he just did it. He believed in what they were doing so much. Let's keep reading. We're going to go over to Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But there was a certain man named Ananias, who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So this man's wife, they, they sell some property, and they come to the disciples, and they donate with the claim that this is everything, this is the entire proceeds of their land. But Peter, one of the apostles, Peter knows they're lying. And he says in verse 3, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. In other words, you weren't forced to sell it. This was completely voluntary. This was all your choice. After selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Peter says, you, don't, you didn't have to bring the proceeds of your land, but you did. And then you claimed it was everything you had, but we both know it wasn't. Ananias, you didn't just lie to us, you lied to God, because God knows what's going on in your heart. Look at the next verse, verse 5. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young man got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. That's intense. But stick with me because we're actually going somewhere with this. So about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could, you, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the, the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw what, that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. And, and great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Maybe this is a good time to take up an online offering. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But if we look at the original point, give everything to God, hold nothing back. We're going to try something this morning. Most, I mean, immediately, like a lot of you, this is going to be kind of weird because you're at home and maybe you're going to feel weird about this, but I'm going to give you this opportunity to interact with me. So the word amen means this is truth or yes, I agree. So I'm going to give you a few starter statements. And if you think 
This is truth, or yes, I agree. I want you to shout out amen. I, wherever you are, I don't, maybe you're gonna wake somebody up. That's okay. If you're the type of a person that's self-conscious, well, you're, you're, you're behind a screen right now, so nobody from here is seeing you. So let's just go for it. Number, statement number one. Wellington North is a great place to live. Amen. Statement number two. God loves snowmobilers. I don't know if you said amen on that one. That one's kind of just for the bunch of snowmobilers that go to this church. Statement number three, APA is a great church. I hope you yelled amen during that one. I want to give you three other statements, though. If you're ready to go all in, then I want you to shout amen if you, if you agree with some of these things. Here we go. Number one, when I go all in, others benefit. I mean, if we're going to be the church that this community needs, if we're going to do, do what we've been planted here for, we're going to have to hold nothing back. We're going to have to hold nothing back because there's a lot that hangs in the balance when we don't. Verse 32 says, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. I'm reading back from the first verses. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. It's so important, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring money to the apostles to give to those in needs. See, when I go all in, others benefit from that. See, I believe with all my heart that there are people that are praying for things desperately and you are the answer to their prayer. I believe that there are people at your work. I believe there are people on your street, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your apartment building that need something from God and you are the answer to their prayer. I mean, there are people that are connected to you all the time. And they need you, and they don't even know they need you to be. They need you to be all in. They need you to be all in because you are going to be used by God to answer their prayer. You're going to need to, and I'm going to need to move past our awkwardness, our shyness, our fear, and say to God, I'm yours. Use me to affect somebody's future. I'm all in. I think, I think that deserves an amen. I wonder what happens when a church is in tune with God's plan for them in their community. They don't look around and compare themselves to the other churches and what they're doing. Here's where this is what they're doing. But they fully understand what they were called to do. They fully understand how they were wired and what they're meant to do in this community. And, and they can say, God, we're all in. We choose to hold nothing back. I wonder what happens to a community when a church does that. I wonder if God does the same thing he did for the early church. He puts grace and he puts favor on those when they go all in and they begin to see things happen that they never thought would be possible. I think when his people go, go all in, walls start to come down. I think when people go all in, hearts begin to change. Perceptions change. Barriers erode. Light shines through dark clouds. When I go all in, better yet, when we go all in, Others benefit. Number two, going all in requires honesty. We're going chapter 5, verse 1, Acts 5, 1. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. 
See, their sin was this. Their sin was professing to give it all, but holding back part of it. Their sin was claiming to be all in, but holding back some for themselves. They were dishonest. They were dishonest with themselves. They were dishonest with the the others, and they were dishonest with God. And if you're going to be all in, you've got to be honest with yourself. I mean, there's nobody who can sell a bad idea to you better than you can. Do I have more to give? Am I going through the motions? Am I a Christian just on Sundays? Am I holding back from you, God? It's too important to not give your all, even if it costs you much. I don't know if you've ever been to one of these little markets in Central America or Mexico. It's, it's wild. It's wild. There's multiple booths and, and there's many people selling, sometimes the same type of things. And tourists are their prime, their prime market. And, and the vendors can be quite aggressive. They can, they, they will come right to you. They will, if they're trying to sell you a hat, they'll put the hat right on your head because they, they just, they want, they need to make that sale. And I understand they need to make the money for their, for their families. But the first time I went, someone told me, never accept their first price. Never accept the first price. Many of the vendors will just throw out a real high price, like a, like a, cause, because you don't know, you're not sure what, what the going rate is. And they'll throw out this real high price because maybe one of the tourists will bite. And if one of the tourists bites, it's maybe like a month's worth of wages. But often, something you were told initially costs $100. After going back and forth and bartering a little bit, you end up getting to about $20 or $30 for that same item. The same principle does not apply with God. Because there is a cost. And God's going to ask you for everything. His price is not negotiable. But to be able to give God everything, you need to be honest with yourself. And you need to be willing to go all in. Number three, going all in is it's a heart matter. Verse three said, then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. See, Peter's asking Ananias, what or who has your heart that you held some back? This is a question that you and I need to ask ourselves. When we decide, we decide to hold back or we decide that we're not going to go all in, who or what has your heart? Who or what has your heart? Who or what has filled this space? It's a question we need to be able to ask. King David at one point cries out, Search my heart, O God. Search my heart and know my ways. See, God knows. God knows what holds your heart. The question is, do you need some heart surgery today? Do you need, do you need a change or a shift in your heart? Because if you're going to go all in for God, you need to understand when you do, others ultimately are impacted and benefit from it. It will require you to be honest with yourself, others, and God, and it requires you to, for God to fully have your heart. I'm going to finish with one more story, and immediately it's a sports story, and I've told a couple already today, and my wife always says, don't throw too many sports stories in because I could do that all the time, but this morning I'm going to go all in, so here we go. The New York Giants football team, 
They, they started off the season the one year at 7-7. Seven and seven, And they'd lost like four of their last five games. And their, their season looked like it was slipping away. Their chances of making the playoffs, they, they kind of were slipping through their fingers. And so one, time, one, one night they brought in, just before Christmas, they brought in this uh, speaker into chapel. He was a Christian. His name was John Paul, John Paul Gonzalez. And he, he had led the team's chapel a few times before. But on this night, he, was, he, he had challenged them to go all in. And he wasn't talking about just on the field. He was talking about going all in in their responsibilities as husbands, in their responsibility as fathers, that they couldn't just half-heartedly do what they were committed to do, that God had called them to do, that they needed to be all in. Well, it struck a chord with them. Because the players responded in this moment. This spiritual challenge would ignite what would soon become a Super Bowl run. It would make believers in the rest of the, the rest of this team. And John Paul Gonzalez recorded, he said, I really had no idea. I was just glad I could hopefully encourage them on that night in December. But it really exemplifies what happens when individuals join together, totally commit themselves to a common goal. Amazing results are possible and people will take notice, which I think is exactly what they're doing against all the odds. They are looking all in. You see, a couple nights later, in the press conference, or that night in the press conference after the game, one of their one of their players, Justin Tuck, in his his post game speech, he threw this phrase out there that they were all in, inspired by this the chapel earlier in the day. The next game, eighty thousand white towels whipping around and in their home game and on it it said all in. This had become their motto. All in. They were, they were all in. It was this, it was, it was inspired by this spiritual principle. And the, the Giants would actually go on to win the Super Bowl. But that night, the, John Paul Gonzalez gave each of the players a poker chip as just an example. And he gave them a, a Sharpie. And on one side, he wanted them to write their number. And on the other side, he wanted them to write what they were all in on, whether it was being a husband, whether it was being a, a, a follower of Christ, if it was being a, a, a more committed dad, and to their, each other and their teammates. And he wanted to hold on to that as a reminder that when you go all in, when you believe in going all in, incredible things happen that you never imagined were possible. So today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to go all in when it comes to your faith. I want to challenge you to go all in when it comes to your prayer life. Go all in when it comes to, to, comes to reading through your Bible. I want to challenge you to go all in when it comes to being generous with others. When it goes to pursuing the things of God, I want you to be all in. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I don't want you to be half-committed. Because really, there's no time for that. And what happens when a church that's full of people that are all in have one goal in mind? What happens in the community is things happen that we never imagined possible in the name of Jesus. Now's the time. It's time to go all in. Let's pray.
God, I think the cry of our heart is not to just go through the motions. Maybe for some of us that are listening today, maybe we have for a little too long. Maybe we've gone through the motions and we've been Christian by label, but we really were not bearing any fruit. And so today, God, I pray that uh, we would be honest with ourselves. That we'd be honest, are we holding anything back from you? Are we holding anything that we could be putting forward and impacting people around us? Are we holding anything back, whether that be our time, whether that be our, our, our generosity, whether that be our, our talents, whatever it is, God, that we can give to you? Are we holding anything back from you? God, because there's people out there right now, and you want to use us to impact people's lives. But you can't use half-committed people. You need us to be all in. So God, may that be the cry of our hearts in 2021. May that be the cry of each person that, they, that they, they're not content to just be part way in. We would not be content until we're fully all in. And God, I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.